I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, It's a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Very well. We are here today to discuss the reporting season, both domestic and international, Ren. It's been going on in the States, fourth quarter results and end of year results have been released, um, you know, through January leaking into February and same goes for the half year results for Australian companies and it's an exciting time of year for all investors to get an insight into how some of the companies are going that they may own in their portfolios or how some are going that they may have in their watch list um, and some that they may have a vendetta against and hope that they crash and burn. So what we've decided to... (laughs) I wonder which ones you're going to be talking about. So we have decided to choose two domestic Australian companies and two international companies each and give a very quick spiel on how they have performed and uh, maybe a key takeaway or two. And we will go from there. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So firstly, have is there any reason you have picked yours? Were they totally random? How, how did you go about finding yours? Uh, yeah, no, the four I've chosen are all because something about them interests me and I think there's something about them that we can all learn from. Um, but yeah, not a, lot of, not a lot of science beyond that. Yeah, nice. What about you? You just chose companies that you hate. <laughs> Come on. Given, given your vendetta comment earlier. I'm turning into a short seller. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> so I've chosen one that I want to keep an eye on all year based on the bets that we made at the start of the year. And another one that I have made mention of in our uh, stock uh, company in the spotlight on Instagram. So I thought it'd be good to double back on that. And then two in America that one I'm interested in. And the second one is very random. So let's go for it. All right. Uh, Do you want to kick us off? Sure. So my first Australian stock, I'm going to start locally. And it's probably going to be no surprise to anyone that I'm choosing baby bunting. For those that tuned into our uh, episode at the start of the year, this is my stock for 2019. Sorry. I think this has great growth potential. So... In classic style for reporting season, they had a bumper result, in my opinion. They'd achieved sales growth of $177 million, which is up 17.2%. And this was during sort of tough trading conditions for retail, but they also had very good online sales growth, which I think is something that we spoke about in the episode about baby bunting in our um, summer series. And very strong comp growth, which is an important measure, which we also spoke about, Ren. So comp growth was 9.5%. 11.5% of total sales came from online, which you and I both know, Ren, is a huge proportion for retail. Um, and this was driven by click and collect. So I think overall, gross margin, 34.6%, profit increase of almost 24%. And they are now really starting to take a stranglehold on the uh baby product market because as we know that a lot of their major competitors 
um, fell away and went into receivership and admin and no longer exists. So there's a huge opportunity for baby bunting. However, as all things reporting season, it was slightly below expectations. So they did take a bit of a hit in their share price on the day of trading, despite such a great result and also a very good guidance from management going into FY19 um, and beyond. So I think things are looking strong. I still stick by it as my stock of the year so far. Um, and I'm excited to see how it can grow from here. Yeah, nice one. All right, Ren, so what, do you, what have you got? Yeah, so my first one is a company that most people know. It's Telstra, um, and it had a pretty rough half year. It's net profit down 27.5%, and the dividend it's paying is also down 27% as a result. So not great. You ask why uh, the NBN, and this is a story across all uh, Australian telcos, but I think I'm going to use Telstra to, to explain it. So NBN changes the economics of broadband. More than 100 uh, retailers offer broadband. And while Telstra retained 51% market share in the NBN market, their CEO said that their margins for broadband were heading to zero because of the NBN. And it's not Telstra alone. Optus saw a quarterly net profit fall of 25% for a similar reason driven by the NBN. So uh, number one takeaway for me from Telstra's earnings that NBN kills the economics of broadband. So if you're looking at telcos to invest in, uh, maybe be a bit concerned. Interesting. And one of their major competitors dropped out of the NBN race, didn't they, in TPG, if I'm not wrong? You know what? I actually don't know. Um, that, that's, a, that's a good one to look up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. Okay. Anything else on Telstra? No, nah, uh, short and sharp. <laughs> wow. What, okay. Uh... So you did stick to your... For those listening, Ren has challenged me to stick to a minute 30. bit ironic coming from him as he's usually, <laughs> he's usually the one that blabbers. Yeah, well, I think okay. I'm going one from one, so... <laughs> okay. All right. We'll watch this. Bingo. Bingo is a waste management company. Um, this doesn't count as my one minute 30. Um, <laughs> waste management company. So they are releasing their results tomorrow, 26th of February. But what they have done is give a market update on um, uh, changing their guidance and expectation. As we know, everything in reports is all about expectation. They came out and revised their guidance to be broadly flat, which previous guidance was they said they had an EBIT growth of 15 to 20%. So they're saying that they weren't growing anywhere near as fast as they thought they would. And this resulted in a 50% drop in Bingo's share price. Oh, that's yeah. brutal. B-I-N, if you want to look it up, 50% drop, wiping off hundreds of millions of dollars from um, the value of the company. Now, here is what they blamed it on. One, a faster than anticipated softening in multi-dwelling residential construction activity across Bingo's key markets in New South Wales in Victoria. In layman's terms, a softening in the housing market in terms of construction, and that means less waste for them to pick up. Number two, no price rise in FY19. Now, Ren, you would know something about this. The lack of price increase is a business decision from Bingo, which they plan to raise prices at the same time as the Queensland waste levy. Um, but the levy is yet to come into effect, so it hasn't impacted their prices yet. And number three is the reconfiguration of development projects within the business. So three main reasons why they are blaming a guidance drop of about 20%. Um, and they now have estimated that their earnings are going to be 92 to 96 million, down from 112. So that's why there's 50% drop in bingo, Ren. Yeah, nice one. 
Um, it's probably a uh, good counterpoint to my second one, uh, and that is another waste company. That's Clean Away. And okay. so uh, Bingo might be guiding for a flat half year. Clean Away, not so much. So let's run through some of the numbers. Revenue up 46%. Net profit after tax up 35%. EBIT up 46%, dividend they're paying up 50%, and their free cash flow is up 126%. Whoa. That's a pretty strong half. Wow. So then so then you look into it and you say, how the hell did CleanAway do so much? And this is something that you've got to look for in a lot of companies, and this is the key takeaway from this one, and it's you've got to look at uh, the reason for the change, and in this case, it was an acquisition. They acquired Toxfree, which was another waste business. If you strip out Toxfree, their revenue was up 9% and their EBITDA, uh, their earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization was up 14%. So look, still pretty good. You'd be pretty happy with that, um, but nowhere near the numbers that they reported um, to, to the market. So uh, number two, CleanAway, crushed it. Uh, they're a pretty strong company. But uh, their numbers were definitely bumped up by their acquisition of another competitor. All right, let's uh, let's go overseas. Let's let's go offshore. Okay, so where I'm going to the states for both of my two international, and the first one is a massive company, household name for most. One that we often miss when we're talking of the big companies, though, and that's Johnson and Johnson, and. The reason I picked Johnson and Johnson is because in late December there was a land well there was a decision made by um, the courts to overturn a huge payment that uh, or a legal proceeding against the, um, the the giant and that was um, they have to pay 4.3 billion dollars to women with ovarian cancer um, because their product um, may have caught uh, may have had asbestos in the baby powder and other talcum powder products. So this led to a huge drop in their share price of about 15%. And so they went into the end of their fourth quarter earnings with this um, sort of in play. Now, it obviously didn't affect their earnings, but it could lead to a good buying opportunity. Overall, though, in a sort of softer retail market, the company has done very well, primarily driven by their pharmaceuticals business, um, which was up, I think, about 13% for 2018 to $40.7 billion in revenue, which is now the largest section of their um, or largest driver of revenue growth for the business. I think, you know, it's a uh, interesting um, company to look at in terms of buying opportunity now with such a significant price drop, but also still continued growth in a pretty dominant sort of pharmaceutical market. Yeah, nice one. Interesting. I'm going to buck the trend and not go to America because, uh, yeah, although I might be returning there later. So um, the, the third company that I thought was interesting in this uh, reporting season was Allianz, the German insurer, but you know they're a truly international insurance company at the moment. So they just reported a record profit, the highest in its history of 11.5 billion euros. They uh, they grew their revenue by three and a half percent. They grew their um, net income by almost 10 percent, and they're paying a dividend. Um, or their dividends up 12 and a half percent. So pretty good report. You'd be pretty happy with that, especially for a company that big. Why it's interesting is it bucks the trend of what's going on with a lot of insurers. So, you know, uh, US insurance giant AIG announced a quarterly loss due to the turbulent stock market. 
and a number of US natural disasters. In Australia, Suncorp's profit was down 44% um, due to the same thing, uh, natural disasters in the volatile uh, investment markets. And another Australian insurer, IAG, uh, had a 33% decline in profit for similar reasons. So, you know, all these big insurers around the world uh, had a tough half or a tough year, and Allianz seems to kill it. And uh, I guess the takeaway is just that industries don't always move in tandem, that, you know, there will be outliers. But uh, th this was a big one because, you know, when everyone else in its industry was struggling, Allianz reports its highest profit in its history. Yeah, nice one, Ren. And how did you find that company? Uh, just uh, read about it. Uh, I think uh, I first read about it on uh, a mailing list that I'm subscribed to um, and then just did some research on it for this episode. Nice. All right, so I'm going to move to my fourth and final company staying within the United States. You may have heard of it, Ren. It's um, quite a large company. It is called Ellie May. And Ellie May is, to give some context, it's a software company that processes about 35% of all US mortgage applications. Uh, so it's a software as a service model that essentially tries to bring all the parts of of a mortgage application together and streamline streamline it into one product to then sell. So just to give a bit more of an example, you, it brings together borrowers, appraisers, insurers, investors, lenders, etc., regulators into one nice package and then um, makes it easier for everyone involved in the process. So a rather large business with 35% of U US mortgage applications, you would imagine quite cyclical as well. Um, full year 2018 highlights, revenues up 400 to $480 million versus $417 million year prior. Net income up, um, EBIT up as well. Uh, they did just over 2.5 million loans in 2018. But as I was reading through it, everything's looking great. You know, they're growing revenue growing profit, growing the number of transactions they're doing, improving on uh, their subscription model. And then what they announced in February is that they have just been approached to be acquired by a company called Toma Brava. Now, at the time that they were approached for the acquisition, their share price was trading at around about $65 or thereabouts. And it was on a downward trend. The growth in the company wasn't as strong as it had been in previous years. And so it may have, you know, appeared as a pretty good takeover target. However, the price that the target came in at was $99 per share. So immediately the share price has obviously jumped from 63 to 99 and is now flatlined since. But pretty good news for anyone who are investors in LMA as they will be um, getting their stocks at a value of 99 per, per share. So pending when you bought it, um, it's obviously been trading higher than that in late October 2018, but as I said, on a decline since then. So pretty good opportunity. Do we know why the purchase price was so much higher than its current share price? I uh, didn't dig into it too far, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's a big gap. Huge gap, yeah. yeah. All right, well, I'm going to bring it home uh, with a company that everyone will have heard of and... Uh, if you haven't, you've got 555 billion reasons to hear about it. Okay. Uh, it's, it's Walmart with its uh, half a trillion dollars in revenue a year. Is that uh, it? Over, over half a trillion dollars in revenue. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, so, you know, everyone, uh, everyone talks about physical retail being dead, but Walmart is uh, out there to prove you wrong. 
Uh, it had an increase in quarterly revenue of 4.2%, and it saw its online revenue jump 43%. So the wow. the uh, the revenue jump was mainly by driven by to- toy sales, which is uh, interesting given the Toys R Us bankruptcy. Um, but you know, it's it's had same store sales growth for fifteen quarters in a row, which wow. um, you know you touched on that metric before, important metric. Um, and you know, it is uh, to to continue to get like four percent growth off such a high base off. They did almost $140 billion in sales or in revenue for the quarter. To get 4% on that is a, is a pretty big effort. Um, so, you know, everyone talks about physical retail being dead, but there's one at least out there. It may end up being a monopolist in uh, US bricks and mortar retailer, but uh, it's, it's doing all right for itself. That's massive. And what I like about Walmart as well is that for such a large bricks and mortar retail company to have 40% growth in online as well, you know, they're certainly able to be agile and quick enough um, to compete now with the likes of Amazon and those sort of more specialized e-commerce platforms. So they're doing something right. And keep in mind that last year, Walmart's US e-commerce growth, sorry, keep in mind that last year, Walmart's US e-commerce growth was 10% higher than Amazon. So, yeah, like Amazon's obviously more established in online retail, but Walmart is growing its online, uh, it's growing its e-commerce sales pretty quickly. So, uh, full credit. It's doing all right for itself. Absolutely. All right, Ren, so that's a wrap to domestic, to international. We'll put the links to these stocks in our um, show notes if anyone wants to have a bit more of a deep dive Uh, There's plenty more stocks out there that have reported and will be reporting in the next sort of coming weeks or so. Um, Jump onto Yahoo or CNBC or any of those to have a look at the US ones. And obviously the ASX has a good breakdown and Comsec as well has a really good reporting analysis. Um, So check out that if you're interested in some of the companies that you may own or as I said, have in your watch list or have a vendetta against and want a short sell against them. <laughs> I'll leave those for next time, Ren. <laughs> one, one other resource that I reckon is worth uh, noting is AFR will sometimes do a sort of earnings update uh, live page, the Australian Financial Review online. Uh, and as companies report their earnings, um, that, that page will update. So um, if you're looking for a resource to start, that's, that might be a good place to start as well. Yeah, nice one. And now we didn't mention Kraft Heinz, Ren, and um, what that means for the world's greatest investor, Warren Buffett, but we will leave that on a cliffhanger and let everyone have a look into it for themselves, but it's worth having a look at. Just goes to show that sometimes the world's greatest investors don't always get it right. So without... Well, you may have have given people the answer there. (laughs) Well, if you hadn't have said that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right we'll, we'll, so we'll let's leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> all right ren well if there's nothing else you want to add um we will chat next week uh, nice one equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned this is general advice only please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation mm-hmm.